phone, TV, or PC. I'm on whatever screen you own. Jumping from tabs to apps, I suggest you don't. I promise you'll miss out. On information that is vital, without it was hit you guess. I'm even calling them the best, so I'm going viral with items that's so classic. Like a set of CDs and vinyls. You already know it's top of my show. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Denver. Yo, what's happening? Hey, shit, man. What, could you hear me? Am I good? <laughs> no, you're good. My bad. My shit was muted. Uh, no, it's all good, but I'm good with you, right? I'm, I'm, I'm clear with you. Super clear. All right. Word, word. Johnny, first off, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yo, I'm sorry. It's kind of to... dark in here. I'm in the I'm nah, hot nah, I'm hotboxing nah, nah, in the whip. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's, you're, you're good, man. You're good. You're good. Oh, um, yeah. Johnny. So before before we we dig into to the good king, right? Um, and this is something that I wanted to know. Who were some of your influences? Uh, musically. Yeah. Um. But growing up in like my teens, for sure. Uh. <clears throat> Tupac and Bob Marley. Mm. Early 20s, I moved on to like Scarface and Nas more. Late 20s, early 30s, I uh, got into Jay. Word. Just because uh, I was, you know, his business savvy along with the music was real, like, inspiring. Um, but like my mom, like, growing up in the 90s, my sisters were bumping like Boys to Men, Joe to See. Cause I had older sisters. So they're bumping like all the nineties shit. So I got a good taste of like the nineties R and B, um, the nineties hip hop. One of my sisters was a real hip hop head. So he was like goody mob, outcast, Wu Tang, mm. bone thugs. Um, that was heavy, you know? So. Word. And you got a record with one of the um one of the the members from from Bone Thugs, Busy Bone. Yeah, we got a couple Man. records. That's my dog. I still check in with him. I I might you know comment on his stories like weekly for sure, Word. and and keeps a little ongoing chat in the DMs going. Shout out to Busy, that niggas you know. Nah, Busy Busy one. He's one hell of a lyricist, man. He's Busy. amazing. He's so slept on and like. They were rapping so fast that people don't really realize that they had a message and lyrics within those, within that pattern. Where people just get caught up in giving you the double time pattern that they really ain't saying shit in between. That's not the case with Busy and them, you know, it's like beyond deep. Where, and um, from, from some of the influences that you mentioned, um, growing up, um, what were you able to take away from all them different styles? Um, definitely uh, helps with delivery. Like I rewrote the East 1999 album, uh, Eternal album by Bone Thugs. And as much as I could from the Wu-Tang double disc, because, you know, when you were young and you wanted to just be down and rap and show or show you know the lyrics in the car for that one moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or that's motor niggas and be down. So I went back home and I was like listening and rewriting all of Eternal, all of Wu Tang, and uh, I just never forget because it's like put in my hand a paper with lyrics, the first part, and it was other people's lyrics, you know. So. Word. I just, I've never forgot it. I've never forgot some of those lyrics and it's the power of writing things down for any rapper who wants to like really memorize your shit. If you write it with your hand, not just type it for some reason, you remember it more. Mm. And um, being that you had got that, that dose of like nineties music, um, like how do you feel about the current state? Not, not only hip hop, but even R and B today doesn't really seem like there's much R&B. There's like four girls who sound exactly the same when they come. Like, I can't tell which one's which. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem like the R&B is out there like that anymore. It all gets... Uh, it's, uh, I don't hear like, like hardcore love songs like that back in the day. Mm. 
um, I sound like the old school niggas, you know, who are like, that ain't music. <laughs> you know? Nah, nah, because, you know what I mean? Like, when I listen to, like, if someone drops a love record and then I listen to it, and then in the then in the record, once someone's like, you know, be, you know, I be on the block pushing, it's like, ah, oh, you just killed it. <laughs> just killed it. Yeah, that's when it gets commercial. But, like, hip-hop, there was such a golden standard for lyricism in the 90s that if it were the 90s now... I mean, I mean, I, I like Good King, but it's just like they were, I don't know if that could even hang. Uh, I don't know if I could hang, like, to be real, like the way, because Nas and Wu-Tang and the standard was so high, you had to be so dope. And w- once it kind of just like got shitty mm. um, in the 2000s and, and just <clears throat> mid 2000s, I kind of was just like, fuck, I wanted to bring real hip hop back. I wanted to rap about real shit. And so I wanted to hear it so bad. I started rapping. There you go. You know, so it's, it's, it's definitely got diluted through the years, but right now there's a special space for lyricism again. Griselda's helped with that. Uh, You know, Big Sean's helped with that. Not that, you know, just, just people fucking still rapping. And uh, it's dope. But you want to know what? Lil Baby, even though he does like the auto-tune, he be having some lyrics. Yeah, no, I like I, I like Lil Baby. He be saying some shit up in there. I'm like, okay, you know, it's not just all melody, you know. They got that high tune on high, <laughs> but but he can spit. Word. So aside from, aside from needing to write to beats and... Um, Listening to the music on your project outside of Johnny Denver, the artist, who are you listening to in your car on a like maybe on a daily? Man, I always play Jay Z. Um, I play, uh, I was playing Benny the Butcher, and I'm in the car a lot, so sometimes I, I like uh, I like hustler music, uh, where I feel like the story's authentic. So, you know, Benny the Butcher, Jay Z. I'll throw burner in there. Mm. I'll throw, uh, and then I'll take it to like some carpenters, <laughs> like oh, you know, I'll bump some Elton John. I'll bump some, I'll bump crazy things that come into my head. Because sometimes I like listening to the light rock my mom listened to when I was growing up, because it like puts me in places in different parts. Because I, I, we grew up all over the country, so different little. Her little radio stations that she was playing in the in the late eighties, early nineties, those songs still come into my head, and right, uh, you know. So I definitely don't just stay on the hip hop word. Yeah, no, because I mean, then it's like it's like what you said about the R and B. Um, that's a that is an era that we will never get back. Even though you know, what I mean, like there, like you said, there is that space for um, lyricism now. It's just that you know when you think of the nineties and you think about the greats that came out of there, and then it's like, oh man, like, mm-hmm. like mm. you know what I mean? When we think of DMX, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yo, who's gonna be like? Not to not to even say that someone's gonna be the DMX of this generation, but the impact, you know, is it's, it's, it's not it's gonna little- happen. It's not gonna happen, dude. Like social media ruined that. Mm. It ruined the mysticism. Or like the you know like the motherfuckers was mystical. They were larger than life. You see them on magazines and on MTV Word. and big networks. So like now we see everybody whenever we want, and it took away that uh, the exclusivity. You know, similar so, to radio when it you did one hundred percent. When, that, that's when you knew that, that one, evolving, you know, yeah. Radio. When you knew that one DJ had the exclusive, and it's like you went, you got the cassette tape just so that you could put the pieces of tape on it, so you could record that exclusive. So you know what I mean? You could you walk around whether it's the Walkman. Bands had to love you. Like we would go spend eighteen ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine, depending on the length of a album. Mm. And Sam Goody. Or wherever, you know, and uh, <clears throat> it's just fucking crazy. Once CDs were gone and people started getting so cheap and not really supporting their artists, they no more twenty four bucks per album. 
that was mm. 10 bucks a subscription for everybody's album you know like fuck word, word. um but on that note man the good king is out the good, good king, king is, is out, out. um what was the thought process behind this new album like what what or who inspired it um fuck I, I thought I was done making music, honestly. I, I fucking took a year and a half off from the last album, and I was getting real heavy with the cannabis business and just was like, you know, that side's always been my bread and butter. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm getting older. You start fucking, you start uh, overthinking or just, you know, thinking what, what path you should go on at this point in your life. And, you know, then 2020 happened to us. And if you're an artist and weren't inspired to say anything, then fuck, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not in you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's so much happened. I wanted to talk about so much. My nephews were getting older and I'm watching them being brainwashed by uh, commercialized gangster rap. Mm. I'm watching them, like, think it's cool to just, like, throw up gang signs and, like, just like you like it's a uh, style almost. Gang banging has become a, is an outfit that people are wearing. You know what I mean? Because it's so commercial that, you know, they feel like, oh, now I'm in a gang. And it's like, it's, it's lot, that's also lost all its substance from the 90s. You know what I mean? When it was for real. Yeah. Right. And so I wanted to, I know they listen to my music, so I wanted there to be more messages in this album. I didn't want it to just be a fucking weed album, mm -hmm. packs and hustling. I wanted there to be a message. I have a daughter now, she's getting older, so I started thinking like, yo, one day she's going to go back through my discography. If fucking nobody listens, she's going to go back and listen to everything. And so I was thinking like that, and I wanted to make it fucking count. And, you know, there's a lot of <clears throat> the title comes from just trying to be an, an honorable dude, feeling like there's a there's a bunch of fakes out there and just people who just talk about shit they're really not about and et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So it was like the return of something solid, you know? Word. And that, that's a dope way to, to, to even approach um, this going into that space mentally and creatively and having all them people to consider and you know what i mean it was a dope it was a really dope execution um that's you know big salute for that i mean and i and thank you and so that was where my mental focus was but like dj hopper fucking created you know those sounds and my boy mac d created the environment in denver so it was like of all the times we've rapped, you know, like the frequency you're on and the, in this and the environment and what you're taking in just is crucial. And so my, shout out to my boy, Mac D in Denver. If you're ever in Colorado and you need a studio, book it at the lab. My boy back then, we used to record on a laptop and fucking he, you know, <clears throat> started growing and hustling and just, you know, getting older and, using his bread wisely and he long story short he put it all into building a, a dope studio like he went to memphis for a soundboard like he went all over he put the shit together and it's like top tier studio it ain't no punk then hoppa was in quarantine all year as a new dad and so he was like any first time dads like that first year is a shocker and it's really rough mm. uh you know emotionally dealing with the lady adjusting from your old life and he was in quarantine, too. So it was like he was double locked up. And then he finally got out. And I'm like, hey, you want to go to Denver? He was like, cool, yeah. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but he met me and he unleashed the fury that he had been holding on to all year. Because we did this, like, at the end of September, October, right? Right. He fucking unleashed. Every time he had a beat done, I'd go work on it. I'd come out, there'd be a new beat. Like, he'd have his headphones while I'm recording not listening to what I'm doing to the beat, making a new one. Like he was, that's, relent man, he that's was crazy. Relentless fucking pro. And so he really like T-balled the shit for me. Cause every beat was fire. 
So I was like, all right, cool. You know, like, so shout like out in Haba. And how did that how did that connection even happen with um you and Broken Complex? Man, we me and Hoppa have been friends since twenty fifteen or something. Um and I went on tour with Dizzy. Dizzy invited me on tour. I met them mm-hmm. like in Denver years ago in the weed game and shit. And Dizzy uh took me on tour and we all became great friends. Then when I moved to LA, they were here. So I they were like my only friends I could reach out to and come smoke with. And then Demrick and DJ Hoppa took me on tour. So I went all around the, again with them. And then Dizzy brought me again. So I've been around the country with Hoppa three times. Like done 90 shows together backstage. So spent a lot of time. Then I think when he had a dad, we really were able to connect like we never have before. Because mm. he would like told me before he told the guys you know, like, and then at, was asking me how it's going to be, you know, and, and so we've got to connect on that level. And then we went and created together. So it's just been super organic. It wasn't a rush. We've been friends for like six years and we finally made a project together. So it was like a hundred percent organic, like right moment shit. Right. And then he's got his independent label. So it only made sense, you know, bringing it over to them because they got the structure and the platform much better than I do, you know, and he kind of like really showed me how to construct an album and, and, and be on point with everything. Like he really helped do, put me like on a, on a organizational level I've never been on. Word. And then that's, and um, before anything else, man, salute to DJ Hopper and that whole operation over at Broken Complex. Yeah, they're all dope, man. He's got spitters over there. He's got Gavlin. He's got Marley B. You know, he's got they make music. Um, was there a moment when creating the good king that you and even like just thinking the good king and, and broken complex that like it was like, yo, like this is about a yeah. Yeah, we felt we I mean we made the album in like three two and a half, three days. And as far as like we skeleton, we got full days for three days and we did pretty much everything. All I had to do was like plug in a, a couple feature verses and add a verse, but it was like done like crazy energy, like faster than I've ever done any project. Right. Um, but yeah, we were like, we felt like it was special, you know? That's dope, man. And like, are you one of them artists? Like, let's say, aside from what you were explaining with um, Hop Up doing the beat while you're recording, are you someone who if working on a project, whether it's EP, mixtape, full length, are you someone who knows the direction and listens to the beats that caters to it? Or are you send me 40 beats in a folder and I'm going to go through everything? Uh, I've never, I'm starting to realize I've made better songs when they create it right there with me. Mm. Okay. When I get in a vibe, we set a vibe, we set an environment. Because I'm telling you, I've been through years of writer's block where I was like, can't come up with fucking anything. You know, like, and a lot of that has to do with beats. So for me to like unleash like we did is is like really saying something about his Hoppa's beats. Because there's been years where I'm like, nope, not it. Nope, not it. Nope, not it. You know, and frustrated and the, the block on production for an artist is, can be the hardest thing. If you got a producer who's dope, stay with that motherfucker, you know? But uh, I like to get in a vibe and let the, let them start playing with beats. And then we'll both together like, oh, that's dope. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you know, like it's like a we build together. Right. And that's been my best ones um, just straight up. Anytime it like gets emailed to me or this and that, like it's good, but it's never feels like magic. Have you ever come across a beat that um that you heard it and it didn't connect with you, and then next thing you know, maybe three four months down the line, it's like, oh, oh, we might have had a technical difficulty. Yo, shout to everybody on the check in on YouTube, man. I appreciate all you guys tuning in right now. Um, join me in the building. 
You know, she's not here. Um, she, her presence is not here, but she is amongst us. We got Johnny back. My bad. My so, bad. So, Can you hear me? I, I pressed yeah, the button. I pressed the button all stupid. Anyways, <laughs> say that part again. Um, well, I'm trying to find where I was. Oh, yeah, about have you ever come across a beat where it didn't connect with you automatically, but then it's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, nah, that's not, it's, it's dope, but it's not me. Next thing you know, four months down the line, you actually hear it, like, passing you in the car on the the radio. All the time, dude. Crazy Mm -hmm. how songs build on you. That's why when you listen to an album, you gotta ride to it a few times, give it a break, and come back, too, you know, like. Word. Songs build on you. There was a lot of songs, there were songs on The Good King, a few that weren't gonna make the final cut, that I was like, okay, let's just leave it, you know, and then those are the first ones getting positive feedback mm. and i'm just like wow you know sometimes the artist doesn't know fully you know right word and um off the good king what do you have a favorite song on the good king <sighs> different days different different songs for different things like, I was feeling all pumped up to go hike this morning. I was playing that brick by brick, you know, and those songs get number track three and four get me hype. Mm. Um, track one and two, I, I really love in the car. And so I'm just starting to see little things like that. But then, like, I really like the album. I'm not going to lie. I've been bumping it myself and just riding to it. Um, OT, this dude Overtone in LA mixed and mastered it. And he he did it at Playback LA. If you're in Los Angeles, that's the LA studio to go see. And he's just, you know, next level. I definitely <clears throat> didn't feel like I cut corners on the product on the on building this album. And he was an integral part in this getting the sound the way it was, you know. So shout out to Overtone on the mix and master. And um, between different breed and the Good King, what would you say? What would you say you did differently this time from your last um project, like creatively? Um, definitely better studios. Um, I just tried to level up on it every level, like. All those other ones, they were spread out beats somewhere. Some may have been off the internet that I bought mm. exclusive or, you know what I mean? And uh, this was the first time I had a real in-house producer. Everything was made from scratch. We had a beautiful studio. And then we took it from there and took it to another beautiful store studio and had it mix and match. So this was way more professional. Those other ones, you know, I could have been in any studio, honestly putting it together which is okay but it that's what it takes they're all stepping stones you know what i mean and so each time you try to get better but uh then i was just a different person because you know some of those different breed lyrics are kind of raw and rugged i was pre-kid johnny you know right and so now i even think back like yeah she might hear this shit you know and so then say trees developed even I feel like we peeled some layers there, and then I feel like we really got real on this one. Word, and um, even like, like you know, it's all a it's all a progress. Um, you know, maturing content. You know, maturing as a as an individual. Um, so the only thing you can do going forward is growing, growing as a man and as an artist. Hundred percent, Doug. I look back because <clears throat> I left home. I left Denver like six years ago. Go back and still feel the love, you know. It's real dope. But I've been in LA for a minute. But I just be thinking like, yo, that was the best move I ever fucking made. Hundred mm. percent. Because just growth wise, where would I still be? And I have, you know, people who homies I grew up with, you know, who are fucking strung out. Mm. who are fucking lost or, or in prison or dead for sure. You know, like, and I'm like, leaving was the best thing for me to survive, right. to grow, just 
for everything. You know, it just was the best move. And it was a scary move in the first few years here were hard. You know what I mean? Because I left the nest of the dispensary I worked at, all the connects I had, and just just all my resources were in Denver. And I left L.A., came out here with Snow the Product. Shout out to Snow. She took me on my first tours and kind of introduced me to the whole game. It taught me mm. so much. And uh, you know what I mean? But there's only so much someone can do for you. You know, she has her own family and everything. So I always had to hustle on my own. Then I ran it. And then I had a baby. So it was like, yo, start from scratch in a new city and figure it out. And now take care of a little kid. Right. So I, I ran into like definitely some storms, but I got through it, rose up and fucking kept rising. And, and now I'm better than before. And it's a blessing, you know, but it, but you also feel stronger because you know, you came, you hit the ground and came back up, you know, that's the fucking shit. Word, word. And, um, being an independent artist, um, with COVID shutting down venues, um, how did that affect you from being, because, you know, like you said, like you've gone on all these tours um, like how, how has it affected you as an artist? Fuck, it was brutal. We were doing cool private events. I was, I had a whole pop-up show, uh, uh, lined up in like eight cities where I wasn't even going to perform. We were just doing smoke sessions and selling merch and just going to have like little parties. You know what I mean? Like we were doing fun shit and, uh, and it all got canceled and it all shut down and it, and it like killed, you know, I was doing all kinds of vlogs and honestly, then all the protests happened, all the drama started happening in it, and I just kind of like stepped away, mm. you know. But I was internal; I was absorbing it all. Um, but it definitely took a lot of air out of fucking the entertainment industries and just being able to connect with the fans and and having people feel comfortable to come out and support events or just network. I was just telling my my uh, brother-in-law, shout out to Goof Drop. He's got some fire edibles. I was like, yo, don't you miss the weed festivals? We were fucking taking them for granted. In L.A., they always were having them at one location, right? But it was a, still a huge festival. But everybody's, like, different festival would be at one place, mm. right? And I'm all, like, a, pot, a bougie pothead, so I'm like, oh, we got to go there again? You know, but it's like free. It's, it's. <laughs> I'm like, switch it up. You know what I mean? Like, fuck. Switch it up. But, but now they've been gone for over a year and a half. And I'm like, please. <laughs> <laughs> please come back. Oh, and my God. Would you, uh, and like, all right. So, would you say like the, the engaging with the fans at the shows is like, like aside from performing on stage, what is something that you can never get tired of as far as performing? This right here. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking weed. I can because that's the thing about well, the beauty of weed. When you're on tour, it's not so glamorous on the travel time. The show's lit, everyone's fired up, and then you gotta wake up and drive eight hours to Kansas. Mm. And stop at all those fucking gas stations and rest stops and just hope to get through fucking Indiana. And just like it gets there's a lot of fucking boring times. And so weed, as long as there's weed, I'm good. You know what I mean? So. I mean, that's fucked up. I'm addicted to weed. (laughs) 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 But I just got to own it, you know, like. Let's not let's not fucking sugarcoat it. I'm well, addicted to weed, and hey, it is what it is. I'm a great guy. Don't drink much. Don't drug up. Don't party. I don't wild out, but I smoke a lot of weed. Tons. Word. I even uh, know that in New Jersey, where you're at, I could fly with fucking a year's worth of fucking weed. Uh, a year's worth of meds only to New Jersey as long as I'm a medical patient and I'm a resident there. Mm. Did you know that? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking load up on weed as a New, as a New Jerseyan. 
<laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, from your along your journey, like, what would you have changed from your experience? <sighs> um. People always say they win it, but I would change some shit. (laughs) What part of my journey? There's so many things I would have fucking changed. Um, I've definitely adapted and made the best of things, you know, but there's, there's just like, I'd say communication. Like if I could have communicated my feelings better in certain situations, instead of just being like, fuck everybody or, or, uh, you know, or communicating and not losing your temper, you know, and just communicating with somebody before they die. Like uh, mm. being real and communicating and talking things out is, is, is fucking over is super underrated. And, you know, communication is fucking important. Tell people how you feel. Tell people you love them. Talk it out. It's always worth it. You know, most people are always like, fuck everybody. There's a fuck everybody attitude yeah. that we think is cool, and it's not cool. In the end, it's not yeah. cool. And, and I, see that, I see that with family, like, you know. Yeah. This this person not talking to this cousin, this person not talking to aunt, boom. You know, like, that shit is so stupid. Yeah, some 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 shit is just not worth it. Like when you think about it, is that yo, like we really wasted <laughs> all this energy over this. Years go by. That's what the fucking legacy track was about. When I'm saying you're out here hating your daddy, out here hating your family. Nobody taught us how to live. We was out here just stranded. Everybody thinks there's a fucking blueprint to a family and a sitcom version that your family's supposed to be and everybody has some little bit of fucked upness in their families and that that's the childhood trauma but you gotta once you're aware of it you gotta let it go and move forward you know word and there's a lot of people still holding on to it you know they gotta let it go yeah like it gets to a point where like even myself with um I've had my fair share of fallouts, but it, it's, I've always been one for family, but it's like, sometimes it's like, you can't control that other side. You know, you can, you could try as much as you can, but you can't control that end. So it was like, you know what? I love you, but I have no other choice, but to love you from a distance now. Right. hundred like percent. If I could fix it, I would. One thousand. Like, and, you know, in order for that surreal. to happen, like, you know, that person has to be open to fixing it. You nailed it because you try to save them and you can't. And then you realize nobody's going to change until they want to or, you know, can until they want to. And so you're wasting your energy trying to fucking do it. You got to love them from a distance, exactly what you said, and just hope that they grow. Hope that they stay safe and shit, you know what I mean? But that's real. Word. Um, shout, out to the, shout out to your show, brother. It's real. I like Polished Up. The promo you guys did, I appreciate all that. Like, this is, I hope this shit takes the fuck off for you. You're great at what you're doing keep going thank you thank you so much for that man i appreciate it you know what i mean like this this was created because i was all i was always so yo you need to work on your engagement so it's like okay as an artist who does music and not liking the way certain things were is like you know what what better way what better way than to do this and try to pull information from artists who have journeys so that in case of another artist listening, not only am I going to sponge it up, but I would hope that someone who else is, whoever else is listening, they'd be able to take away from it, take that run with it and 
perfect your brand, perfect your craft, and you know what I mean? The sky ain't even the limit. Right. Reach, reach, reach for reach for whatever you whatever no one's thinking about reaching, just go for it. Ten times whatever your goal is, make it bigger, you know? Ten times bigger. That's what that uh Grant Cardone says that you know. And that's helped, you know, like just whatever your goal is, just shoot for fucking bigger and see where you end up, you know? Where we all can get caught up with self-doubt. Oh, shouts to my co-host who asked, what advice um, would you give the next generation knowing we didn't have a blueprint ourselves? Um, as far as what, musically or just in life? Um, let's say both. Well, you know what? You got to have the fucking the Mamba mentality. Kobe Bryant, I think, you know, who's was my favorite player of all time. Just take a look at a little 60-second clip of him and the Mamba mentality and just that fight, you know. And then it works. Like, you just... I keep him in my mind right now. I've been working out since Christmas, and and I just keep him in, in my head, too. It's inspirational. And I think it's like indigenous people, we can call on our ancestry, and Kobe's a part of it now, and we all can... We can all be inspired. And so the biggest thing for me is like you work on what you can control. Um, You can control your mind, body, and spirit. So you can control not doing drugs. You can control reading and feeding your soil. You can control eating healthy and staying consistent on whatever whatever your goals are. Those are the things you can control. As long as you're doing that, you know, that that builds a lot of good habits. It's the uncontrollable things in life that are hard. Deaths. Mm. Um, pretty much deaths is, is a big one, you know, or, you know, car accidents or, you know, any fucking catastrophe that's unplanned that, that is out of your hands or the uncontrollable events. Um, and... <clears throat> getting over those hurdles and maintaining your focus is like, is the hardest thing, not dropping, you know, because I've been like, when you look at Nipsey Hussle's whole, uh, whole mindset on the marathon of life being a marathon and continuously running and not quitting. Um, it's not a race. Sometimes you're walking, sometimes you fall but you keep going in this fucking marathon, you know, and that's just, that's very important in life because uncontrollable things will happen, but everything you you can control, you just got to try to improve every fucking day and believe. Word. And, um, what would you say? What would you say? Um, um, as far as musically, musically, Man, consistency, which is my biggest weakness, because I'll drop a project and you won't hear from me for over a year. And and people are dropping projects like four times a year, you know, and staying in people's face and this and that. And I be dropping off every time I do music. Good things start happening, start getting, you know what I mean? So it's like, don't don't do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, stay fucking consistent. Stay on it. Um. But if you do, you know, if you, if you, life takes you off to a, another avenue, ride it, you know what I mean? But it's just consistency is the most important thing because everybody knows, you know, you go record a song, you put it up, you go get fucking CD Baby, blah, blah, or TuneCore, and you can put it up and spread it, and then you promote it, and it's word of mouth, and you try to meet people in your network. We all know that, but the, the thing is, is that it's good to be organized. Know when you're coming out with projects, singles, map it out, map your year out. Don't just be sporadic. Like that's the difference between this project and the others. Like we knew what singles were coming out, what date, uh, based off of where we were at in the project, where we wanted it, when it's coming out, what's the next video. Just be on point with your organization with it and then just execute. And then you'll do all that and you'll feel like it's supposed to happen overnight and fucking it didn't. And then you 
people lose hope. And then you got to start over next year and fucking try to outdo the last project, hoping mm-hmm. that, you know, that's the independent route. You know, you keep uh, some people, one of those tracks blows up and you're one, everybody's one song away from fucking blowing up, you know, one song away. Somebody told me that. So you got to just grind like that next time, you know, could, could always happen. As an artist, do you feel like um, you haven't wrote the most challenging song yet? No, I mean, I always want to do better. But, uh, and sometimes the messages just get conveyed differently. I honestly feel like there's been some songs that, uh, you know, could, could hold their own if heard by, you know, the right people. And so I, I honestly just feel like it, it's always needed just to be in front of the right, uh, people. And it hasn't. And a lot of that falls on me. I'm not putting it on anybody. You know what I mean? But, uh, I definitely want this project to reach the right ears. And I'm just going to put that out in the frequencies and hope it, it occurs and we can manifest that word. And, um, and you know what I mean? If, in case no one has noticed, you're rocking say trees on your, on your shirt. Yes, sir. As, um, as a, as a brand yourself, like what do you feel artists should be doing to build their brand? Definitely get some merchandise. I learned a lot about, uh, the merch game from snow. She definitely crushes it in it. She sh- showed me around LA uh, and kind of showed me the hustle in the beginning. Um, I've always had like views of building my own brands and I've had a lot of names through the years. And then me tied with cannabis, this this name came together, you know, and and it's kept evolving. And this has been very exciting, like, just as exciting for me as music, building the brand and watching it grow, you know, because it's actually just, you know, it can, it can go further than I can individually. You know what I mean? Like a brand could become so much and, and I'm seeing it happen with say trees and it's just got some magic and it's got some blessings wrapped around it. And I'm really watching it take off. Word. And um, let's say, let's say a 12, 13-year-old recognized you, listened to the Good King, walked up to you, and asked you for advice because something they heard inspired them to, to write, to become an artist, with so much um, toxic music out. What piece of advice would you give that 12, 13-year-old who's about to step into being an artist? People appreciate people who are original and who are authentic. And don't think you got to sound like the last 10 people just to make a song. It's cool to get the structure of a song. And, and everybody's first music is going to sound like somebody. More importantly, you have to focus on how you truly feel and what you truly want to say and go from there. Mm. Word. Johnny, if Johnny Denver can have a song, the perfect song, with um, some of the names that inspired you, who would that be and who would produce it? Um, with the feature and the producer? Yeah, dead or alive. Man. Oh, my God. I would just spit and have Bob Marley on the hook. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I would have... I would have Stephen Marley produce it. 
and we would just be on some straight like ill level spiritual shit in in Jamaica creating. That's what I would do. Word. Word. Um, one more question. Um, like one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, and that's and that's piggybacking off of this. You get a knock on your window right now. And this Jay-Z telling you to roll your window down. What's the one thing you can tell Hove that's going to make him be like, all right, I'm, I'll be on the lookout? Um, I got this book he recommended in my backpack right here. <laughs> Yo, you know what? That just because because my boy Scalito, shout out to Scalito, Freeways artist, had a picture with Jay, right? Jay's arms around dude, heavy, and Jay is kind of awkward and picks around people, and he's got an arm around my homeboy, right? And I'm like, yo, what did he say to you that you know? And he was just like, uh, he goes, I asked him what was his favorite book. And he, he was, like, surprised that I asked him that. You know what I'm saying? And then he uh, <clears throat> he told him. So I grabbed that book. And it's right here in my backpack. I'll DM you and let you know. You know what All I'm right. saying? But uh, so I would show him that first and then tell him I got Say Trees. It's a black-owned business, and we're taking off in the cannabis industry. And so my big announcement was that <clears throat> I already had my Johnny Denver OG strain in Colorado but Say Trees is in the middle of a brand partnership with Antidote Extracts out here in in California and we're doing our own extracts and we'll be licensed and in dispensaries this year in California so Say Trees is going to become a real cannabis brand and you know there's black owners in the cannabis space that represent less than four percent of the industry so it's a big deal to fucking, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? And I'm excited. So if you ever come to California at the dispensary shops, by this summer, Say Trees will be in stores. So be on the lookout. Word. And um, that's dope, man. Um, congrats, to, congrats to you for that, bro. Thank you, for my real. brother. Oh, yeah. Um, so going forward, like, what's next for Johnny Denver? Just pushing the cannabis brand, say trees. I don't want to step away from the momentum with the music this year. I want to, I'm dropping a apparel every quarter and I want an album to come with it. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to start creating. And now that I know the perfect process of how I want to do it, I'm going to make another project that's going to come out, you know, probably by May, um, April, May, June at the latest, just as long as I have a project every quarter, my goal was to have four this year, mm. uh, and just really step it up and just fucking hit them with it. 40 fucking tracks this year coming for me. You know what I mean? We're 10 in, so I got 30 to go. That's dope, man. That's real fucking dope. Um, as we get near to, to, to closing out, Johnny, I want to salute you want to give you a bow being someone who's been a follower since um woke tv um i think the good king is a fucking fire album and if you're watching this i highly recommend that y'all check it out johnny thank you so much thank you thank you so much i appreciate you guys anybody who stayed to listen shout out to you follow say trees bump that good king and look out for the uh, cannabis products coming to a store near you. Word. Um, before we sign off, Ray. Um, I mean Ray. My bad. I'm sorry. Is that, I read the chat, Katie. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Yo, Johnny. Let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me. Whoa. Whoa. I think he did a poof. But listen, man. Um, hold on, hold on, Johnny, you're about to come back in. You're going to come back in like a Johnny Tsunami that he is. Oh, by the way, our apologies for the technical difficulties, but the man is back. Hold on. Bring him in. <laughs> That's so high. I'm all, you could find me, <laughs> and then I disappear. 
<laughs> in the clouds. I'm all, you want to find me? <laughs> you can't see me. Boom, I'm gone. Man, that's so high. Uh, anyways, Instagram, Johnny Denver. I spell it J-A-H-N-I Denver. Um, that's my main, like, one. I'm back on Snapchat, Johnny underscore Denver. Those are the two. Let's not let's not complicate this. <laughs> Where Johnny, um, like I like I told you backstage, um, what you're about to do right now, you're gonna go into the backstage area. So whatever you do, do not um leave the backstage area. Katie, Johnny, thank you once again, bro. Much love, brother. Keep going. Like Appreciate you. Stay in the backstage. Okay. Yo, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Mad love to Jomi Los, um, who wasn't here presently, but she was here in spirit. Thank you all right, for holding it down. Uh, Jomi, Jomi, come on, come on, stop it. Roll the roll the Jerry, Jerry. Oh my God, where are you so phenomenal? They, Jomi, stop, 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 stop. All right, come on, come on, come on. Yo, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in next week. Tune in because we got Von Minx. Yo, if y'all don't know who Minx is, Von Minx, woo, we're going to get into a lot of industry talk. Yo, so with that being said, thank you all. We'll be here. We'll be back next Thursday, 9 p.m. And y'all already know how it goes. Right. Suave. Ow. Classic, like I said, CDs and vinyls. You already know it's top of my show. Right.